Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. everyone and welcome to this episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host Liz Peterson and today I have Sarah Elcaldi with me who's also known as The Alchemist on Instagram and YouTube. I am super excited to have Sarah joining me today on the show. I follow her on Instagram and YouTube and I'm so excited to bring you her information. She is fantastic. So for those of you who don't know Sarah, Sarah is a mystic, spiritual teacher and author. She is widely known as a leader in the field of spirituality and the esoteric arts. She uses her intuitive abilities as well as her extensive background in esoteric knowledge to help humanity gracefully tap into our evolutionary potential. She considers it her work to connect the higher with the lower and the outer world with the inner world. Her spiritual teachings and deep insights into the nature of reality create energetic transmissions that activate her audience on a soul level. Her videos are well known for needing to be watched several times in order to fully extract the profound wisdom in each episode. With an online community consisting of hundreds of thousands of awakened souls, it is her highest honor to assist humanity's evolution. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you. Super excited. So first, I want to jump into what it was that exactly led you on this path. (laughs) Um, So I had existential crises very early on in life. I mean, like uh, inappropriate ages, like as soon as I have memories, I was always daunted by the bigger picture. It was something that was like deeply unresting for me. And it wasn't until I started, you know, I mean, growing, but also it wasn't until I started having a larger context for this, that then I was able to one, not think I'm crazy, (laughs) but also be able to transmute a lot of that existential um, angst, shall we call it into, you know, my spiritual purpose, because I finally had a context for it. Um, So much of my journey was, I I never felt like I belonged here. I always felt like I was, I had a mission, I had a mission. And when you, when you're seeing a world around you, where it's like, no, you're just supposed to be here and do human things. It like is deeply unsettling to the soul to just, you know, have, so once I started getting a lot of my memories activated and triggered that's when I really started actually being you know the most fulfilled here and the most settled in the earth experience oh interesting so without prompting you to go into your existential crisis for those who are also experiencing this phenomenon or having that spiritual awakening what advice do you have for them for kind of searching out that context you know, for themselves. Yeah. Get weird, get weird. You got (laughs) to give yourself permission to really get weird because what's happening is a lot of us, you know, especially people who are watching this, we're evolving. And when we're evolving, it's like, we try to put the brakes on something by hanging on to our own identity. And then that's just going to cause a lot more heat on us. 
And so with that, it's like giving ourselves permission to go, okay, I don't even know what's going on. Like that's even how um, I started light language. I didn't even have, I was like, all right, that's weird. Why is that coming out? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> love that. And then, you know, once I, I was like, okay, you know, you start seeing other people own their truth and embracing it and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, that's not just a weird little diddle that I do. That's actually a part of my communication system, you know? And so, so many of the things that we do while we're even evolving, while we're awakening, we think are separate from it. And so also honoring the best advice actually I could give somebody along this path is honoring that it's going to come through in so many different facets and outlets in your life that you're going to not even be able to directly connect the dots. A lot of the times to go like, Oh, Whoa, while I'm suffering or while I'm going through this or this or that, that other thing that I'm doing is also a part of it. It's this isn't sectioned off. This pretty much warps into our life. (laughs) And then it's just a matter of learning how to see that in all the facets. And, And that can be so challenging, especially when many of us have to, you know, have a nine to five, go to work still. While we're like this multidimensional being that's coming into that at a deeper and deeper, deeper level. So let's talk a little bit about following those breadcrumbs that kind of lead us, you know, to where we're supposed to be or that next best thing for us, especially when it comes to, you know, our personal evolution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Breadcrumbs is a beautiful way of putting it because it really is that process of breadcrumbs, which I call an unfoldment. And, and so much of the time we don't even know what's going on. So it's hard to just, you know, be in an active, but passive state to where it's like, all right, this is a process. It'd be so much easier knowing that. And a lot of times we don't have that context. And so then it becomes like, uh, these aren't breadcrumbs. I need to get to this you know, I need to know this and stuff. And so that's actually what I um, am called the most to do right now. A part of um, the content and the material I put out, it's helped navigate things that are so abstract and vague. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of great um, content on your website and Instagram, and you delve into a lot of different topics too, which is good. And it's everyday things that we're all dealing with. But I kind of want to jump into like a definition of mysticism and esoteric arts for those who aren't aware of these things before we really jump into them. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really what I would call high level material. So it's bound to be the most um, misconstrued and it's bound to be the most misunderstood or not quite understood to its fullest capacity. And that's okay because this is what is the knowledge behind the knowledge. So the esoteric knowledge is like the inner or the hidden. It's mainly equated with hidden because it's so inner, but because of that, it has this reputation of being exclusive. To be honest, it, it, I feel like it could be less exclusive, but it is exclusive only because once you've gained a certain amount of awareness, can you actually be able to open yourself up to receiving that level of transmission? So it does require, it it isn't as available. I would rather say it is that it is available, but it's not as, it's the path less chosen because it requires that preparation and that inner work. 
However, within the context of this time space period, so the spirit of this age, the esoteric is pretty much just going to transform into something that's a lot more common because even as I'm saying that, oh, it's high level and oh, you know, the preparation that's required for it, that's been over like lifetimes or journeys. So a person, you know, might have a very difficult time with these concepts, but yet at the same time, somebody who's just new in their spiritual awakening, somebody who doesn't even know they're going through a spiritual awakening can just be like, oh yeah, that, that was an issue. No, I already knew that. I knew that 10 years ago when I was not even woke because they're coming from a large, you know, galactic profile. They're coming from, this isn't their first time at the rodeo. They're not a newbie when they're entering this reality. And so a lot of things that are going to seem really, you know, like high tech or I mean, high quality, it's going to be something that's actually just like a reawakening that they needed. They're just like, oh man, I just needed that activation. And that's what I, my deepest purpose is being that activation for people, because as much as I do love going into the depths and everything of my knowledge base, at the same time, I also know that I'm speaking to, you know, um, awakened souls, if not awakening, I know that, you know, their capacity is just as much. Um, you know, it's just the different roles we play in each other's lives. How do we recognize that? when we are you know being activated or when we are getting these downloads how do our listeners know when this is happening well how do they recognize it okay there's a few ways this is a great question one of them is they might get tired (laughs) they might get tired that's that's possible i get a lot that my following needs to re-watch my content over and over again in order to get something that I said, because I didn't get it all the first time. That's exactly how I learned. And I find that freaking beautiful that now that's what others are receiving. Because for me, every time I learned a concept, I would just pass out. (laughs) I couldn't hit like my nervous system, the, the bandwidth of my nervous system was, you know, no different than how you work out at a gym and you're, you're, stretching the muscle and in order to strengthen it, that's exactly how, at least when I'm receiving this information, or even when I'm just learning this information, um, that's a sign of deep integration is that you, you just get tired. You're just like, Whoa, it could just be a sentence too. It doesn't even need to be like this huge Epic. Um, but when a concept is truly like, you're like, Oh, okay, this is something that I'm receiving. You could get tired. Another way is there could just be the shift. And the shift is an awakening that's happening within you where you're like, wait, that sounds familiar. This isn't my first time hearing this, even though this is my first time hearing this. And so there's this remembering that's being activated. And that's another huge way that that comes through. I would even say a third way that it comes through is um, even by like a soul knowing, and that could be some sort of visceral experience that the person has when it's being said, because, you know, the mind, the body, the emotions, they're not all separate. They all go under the category of mind, but because they are all a part of the same network, it's totally uh, very common for people to have a visceral reaction. And that's them either feeling the activation being done and they just don't know it. 
but because people are, you know, like we're dealing with energetically sensitive beings, that's what empaths are. And so dealing with energetically sensitive beings, it's totally, it just, it's very common for people to be able to feel some sort of visceral sensation, even if it's not like, oh, wow, I felt like overwhelming bliss, like that can happen too. But it, regardless, if they're experiencing some sort of visceral shift from hearing that information, that could also. And, you know, that's what happens a lot with fear as well. We look for that like visceral shift with, you know, even information that is not that um, pleasing. But with the spiritual awakening, what happens is there's this like visceral shift in a way where it's like the person's mind, body connection kind of goes a little bit offline is what I would call it to where it might be experienced as, um, spacey, like, like, like what, like, there's kind of like this, like zero point zone that's activated. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually kind of feeling that right now and having mm -hmm. to like repeatedly like reground and focus on what you're saying. <laughs> which is really fascinating. I've only had that happen a couple of times. Uh -huh. So during this acclimation period that you're talking about, you know, I hear all the time, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, because there's so much going on, people are picking up on so much. What is it that we can do during this acclimation period to kind of ease that, to like ease that transmission? Music, that's been my go-to. My go-to has been music. Music is a huge integrator and so is laughing. I don't know if you, I don't know if this is like quite obvious to me it is, but I'm not sure. I try to purposely inject my personality and inject my teachings with humor. And that's to kind of ease the body mind into the realm that I'm communicating on. And it, for instance, we can contract a being by saying, you're not going to like this. You're the, this is going to like, we could, we could put somebody's body mind into a certain state. And then from there, we're transmitting information from that, you know, it, it could be, it could be very positive. It doesn't need to be negative, but it's mainly used as a mechanism in order to groom the body mind into a vibratory state that is more restricted in its bandwidth and its ability to um, hold its own power, its own sovereignty, um, its true essence. And likewise, there's more, gra there's more graceful ways <laughs> that we can also allow a person's being to expand enough in order to receive information that normally they would not be able to receive. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I try to inject my humanity or my humor into things. It's specifically because laughing and even music are two amazing ways to help with that. Also a third I would add, which is way more vague is just discovering what your personal um, creative outlets are. We all have our own creative outlets, whether we know it or not. And I, it, this is even if I'm speaking to a quantum physicist or an engineer, like their creative outlets will look different but they still will have, they might not call it a creative outlet, but it will be a creative outlet. So finding a creative outlet, because I don't know, I can't sit here and tell you anything that I would have accomplished without my creative outlet. And that's poetry. None of this would have baked right in the oven. None of this would have integrated. The soup wouldn't have come out the way the soup is without my poetry. Wow. 
Awesome. Yeah. Creative outlets are so important. I agree. And it also, when we're being creative puts us in a mindset, it's almost like a moving meditation, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're able to go to those deeper levels. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like it, depending on where a person is at in their own journey, they might be like, I'm not feeling so creative. Actually, I feel really blocked and stuck. And actually there's GMOs and I'm pissed. Like whatever stage a person is at, you can have a creative outlet, make your poetry about how pissed you are. There's a lot to be pissed off about right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, make your art about that. Don't make it separate. Just like how I said in the beginning, don't make the spiritual awakening separate from your life because you're going to start connecting the dots in really creative ways. Don't make your creative outlets separate from it. Yeah. When you're sharing those creative outlets, it's that energy behind that creativity, say art or music or anything that is being transferred to the people who are looking at it or listening to it or reading it. Right. Yeah. It's a direct transmission. And then what that is going to do is that's going to allow other people to connect with you that you would never think you'd be like, like so much of the time we try to do the opposite of inject ourselves into our art. And then from that space, people can't fully see us. And so then we can't fully connect with them. And so being able to just create honest art, I mean, if, if a person, they don't even need to be going through a very like tumultuous or deep things in order to just be honest with their art, with whatever it is. And that creative outlet is going to free up so much space within there. It's going to allow the integration process because no matter what, there's going to be the integration process. And that all depends. There's no like time frame for that. That all depends on how supported the process is. And so when we look at what's going to support a person, it's not like, that doesn't mean like, oh, when is the spiritual awakening going to be done? Because that's not going to happen. We're not going to be done with it. But what's, it's going to be more like, when will I get to a space where I feel more settled in the journey, where I feel more like, all right, I have enough discernment. I have enough life experience gathered to navigate these things. It's really coming down to trust. A being wants to be able to trust themselves. And that's what I call spiritual sovereignty. So I can talk about spiritual sovereignty in very epic ways, but also just down to the nitty gritty of it. A person wants to be sovereign enough to go, I might agree with you, but I might not, but I want to be able to truly feel confident and come from an honest and centered space. And so a lot of the time I'm directing my teachings at a person's building discernment because it's great if people agree with me, that's amazing. But also it's not coming from this space of like a dogmatic type. It's coming more from a resonance. And so what we really want, whether we know it or not on the spiritual awakening journey is being able to go have the freedom to say, I might agree with you and I might not, but I want to trust myself. And so what it takes for that layer of integration to happen to where we go, okay, I'm, I know a lot, but I don't know everything that's going on in the world or in the galaxy, or in the universe, or in the multiverse, but I want to get to, but I'm settled. I'm, I know enough. I've done enough work to where the rest of the journey, if it's hard, I can handle it, It, you know? And so we get like grounded in the groundlessness is what I call it. So the grounded in the groundlessness part is what I would call when a being says they when am I going to get to that other side? 
to me, that's that other side. It's going, okay, this is going to just go on for infinity, but I've got my bearings. And so from that viewpoint, I would say to get there, the integration is you need sleep. You need a lot of sleep because your body mind is going through so much rewiring and it's not going to be like, I know people go, but I've been tired. My body's, I've been going through these symptoms and stuff. And it's like, okay, it's not gonna, it's going to be a softer process, the deeper we honor it. So it's, it's not very compassionate to look at it like, okay, I slept for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Why hasn't everything (laughs) integrated yet? But the sleep, the, the, um, I would even say down to minerals, the, the nervous system needs support for all of the evolution that's happening. So mineral support, people don't normally think of that. We think of in the spiritual community, um, a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of the times we look for, um, things that are outside of the body for support and the nervous system needs a lot of support while it's going through this. I learned that the hard way. So imagine if you're going through like a huge part of your spiritual awakening, you just have, you're just getting so much information or so much clarity, so much intuition, and that can be great. That can also be very stressful. And it all depends on, is the body supported? If the body is not supported, the same exact thing can be traumatizing to the body because of the amount of effort that it's required and how taxing and stressful it is on the nervous system. And so, I mean, the difference between a bad trip and a good trip can even be just, what are your vitamin C levels like? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So supporting the body and then and then laughter, as I already talked about, having a creative outlet. And the the other one I feel very called to mention at the time is breath work. Mm. Because breath work is going to help facilitate the integration like no other. Because when we're when we're retraining the body how to breathe correctly, not only are we accessing so much stored information, we're also strengthening the body mind connection because, and you may already be familiar with this, but at birth, we have a continuous rhythm of in and out exhale and inhale. And we lose that and we get very disconnected. And that's why I always refer to our whole soul complex as the body mind. It's because breath is what our lack of breath is what disconnects the body mind. Breath work is what will help the body mind reconnect. And that's going to profoundly help a person's integration. God, I'm so glad you went into that because so often it can feel like a battle these days, you know, with extreme highs and extreme lows and everything that's going on. It's almost like we need to go into the temple and just soothe our parasympathetic nervous system. And relearn how to breathe. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so basic. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for the tools, Sarah. I appreciate that. So so we're so disconnected, you know, from the wisdom teachings. And I'm so glad, you know, that I have this opportunity to have this conversation with you. Can we discuss like our spiritual awakening and an opportunity for self-mastery? Yeah. I define self-mastery as being able to have very high levels of discernment. Because the more we go along this journey, 
it's not really going to stop either, which now I find fun, but at a one point I found very stressful. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. At first I was like, no, no, you guys, can somebody just tell me what's going on? And can that just be it? <laughs> and then I'd have other information and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Can both of you guys just align yourselves so that I don't have to choose and I don't have to discern? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 everybody, can everyone just get on the same page? And so building that discernment which comes through life experience, really. I help a lot with my channel, with building discernment, but at the end of the day, it's the, you know, it's like life experience is what's going to be like, even I'm still learning new facets of discernment that I find fascinating now. But like I said, it was stressful for a long period of time before it became so easy and fascinating. And so because of that, I feel like self-mastery is intimately linked with discernment. And what I mean by that is because discernment gets misconstrued a lot with judgment. And so discernment's different than judgment. Discernment's not coming with any type of like um, charge or trigger. Discernment's our higher faculty of intuition. And so with discernment, we're able to just clearly see the difference between things. And so it's nuance. Self-mastery at the end of the day has to do with our capability to receive and to perceive nuance. Oh, I love that. And it's so yeah. subtle sometimes. Yeah. Like I'll say something and then um, someone might be like, that means you think this, which means that means you think that, oh my God, you hate babies or whatever it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, and I'm like, Wow that got very twisted. <laughs> and it's because many, no, I'm not saying everyone, but like, um, there is this lack of nuance and it's coming from a disconnected body mind. It's coming from a nervous system that's in the survival response. So it's not able to perceive the gradients, the, mm -hmm. you know, it's not able to perceive the, the grays is sees black or white. And that's how it's operating right now. And it's, it's in danger. So it's already perceiving teachings through that hyper vigilant lens, which on one hand is good. We should be hyper vigilant in our, um, when we are collecting data, when we are mm -hmm. listening and receiving, but on the other end, we can't be so hyper vigilant that we, um, become fundamentalists really can't see later only seeing things from our own experience yeah right so self-mastery is the ability to go okay i i see the essence i'm extracting the essence of this wisdom that's being conveyed from whatever it is whether it's a podcast or a book or you know i see that um or not or i go wow this is a deeply manipulative person <laughs> whatever it is you know, because it's going to always be those different shades, but being able to recognize the nuance so that we're not just going, you know what, I don't understand this and my red flags are coming up. So the self mastery is being able to even go, you know what, I might not understand this right now, but I'm not going to like utterly reject it just because I'm, I, you know, this is bringing up certain charged things. I, mean, I would never have expanded if I never tested my comfort. I've been, if anything, <laughs> very comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's how I've expanded. And so 
the self-mastery, I would say, is done through that. It's done through being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortableness so much so that we're constantly expanding our perception or, or at least challenging it. You know, in a compassionate way, compassionate, of course, but yeah. Yeah, sometimes we really do have to be compassionate with ourselves when we're feeling that charge, which I love how you use that word, you know, that trigger, because there can be so many gifts in those triggers, right? Those charges that we feel, you know, it's part of, it's just like makes us dive into that inner work. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't like, I know this goes for pretty much everyone who's evolving, but I was a completely different person. I look back now and I'm like, how was that the latent seed of divinity? Like, how was that? Like, I'm I like with love though. I'm like, oh, wow. Like looking at me, let's even say like from high school or even just, you know, like in my twenties, I'm looking back now and going like, wow, that was the seed to so much that was reaped. But I just, I'm like that. Yeah. It's so funny how, um, it just with a little elbow grease. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a little elbow grease. And you know, you're a completely different person, but that elbow grease is like the challenging of the perceptions because man, there's a lot of programming we go through. And if we just go, nope, that's it. Or even if we pride ourselves on, on I know a certain facet of humanity prides themselves on not growing. They're like, I've been the same, I am the same, I is the same. And it's just so funny because I'm like, that's not something to be proud of. (laughs) It's okay if you go, whoa, I didn't like that. That came up against my programming, but you know what? I'm going to hold space for maybe this being, you know, something that is irritating me because it's polishing me. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's from Rumi. (laughs) Love Rumi, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're in a collective transition right now. Mass proportions, right? You talk about this on your website for this upcoming workshop that you have coming up. Um, In all areas of life, really, all areas of life. So how can we stay in free will and higher consciousness through all of it? Awesome. Um, Ooh, there's actually a video that I did on this is called developing multidimensional awareness. Mm. How we can stay in higher consciousness through this is by understanding that a lot of the choice points, especially coming up in the future are going to be ones where back to nuance, we're going to have to utilize our free will to see what is organically happening as a part of a mass spiritual awakening And what are the devices used to almost mimic that same quality? And I call that synthetic. We could also call it engineered, whatever we resonate with, Mm -hmm. but seeing that there's organic qualities and utilizing our free will to see the difference between what are these organic qualities that are just going to happen. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be weird or intense. And they're a part of a mass awakening versus what are these components or aspects to this that are looking like they are like resembling higher qualities or they're resembling um, an organic consciousness. And really it's something where there's a bait and switch happening at the end of the day. Higher consciousness will look at things from the perception of their being 
an organic awakening happening mainly. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not these other engineered things going on, but a large stage in the spiritual awakening journey that people could get stuck in is only seeing one aspect of it. And that's usually not all the time, but what that aspect is, is it's usually only being able to identify the things that are wrong or the synthetic aspects of this journey. How we stay in the higher consciousness and in our free will is by being able to determine that, wow, these, there's a lot of bait and switches happening, but also that's allowing me to become sharper in my discernment. That's allowing me to become sharper. So we're using it. You know, our free will isn't going, no, it's that it's doom. Oh, our free will is going, no, man, I'm becoming a surfer from this. I'm a surfer of the galaxy. So we're going, we're learning how to perfect the art or, you know, self-mastery as we were calling it of awakening. And that is what the higher consciousness will do. It will be able to determine the difference between the two, but at the same time, it's not going to be as compelled or entrenched in the synthetic things that are happening because it, once again, it has that peace of mind because it can clearly see the things so much of the unsettled and the, the reasons why we're unsettled in our awakening is because we don't have that ability to have that clarity. And so that's a huge cheat sheet. If anyone needs it to be like, wow, you know, there's some positive aspects to this thing happening. And I can really see how at the end of the day, there's organic qualities to it. And then also there's a lot of intensely distorting things happening at the same time. And we're going to, that's not going to really stop from being honest. Yeah. I don't think so either. You know, it's a constant differentiation between the two and then not allowing yourself to get hooked right into where they want or whatever is going on that bait and switch, like wants you to be pulled into this to keep you kind of off track. Yeah. yeah I even like, even with things that I am, um, even with things like I, I view as very harming to humanity, like war like things that I view that are very harming to humanity. Mm -hmm. I still even always make sure that I'm coming from a place where if I'm speaking about something, it's coming from the broadest, most compassionate perspective as though, um, because we're all going to have our own clarity and we're all going to have our own um, viewpoint, right? Like there's, there's different, vibration there's different vibrational realms and we're going to perceive things differently depending on what realm we're in but even with that i make sure to to present something as though i'm like you don't have to pretend you're the what you don't agree with lawyer but you can just throw in some advocacy just to fight fair <laughs> and i think that's a part of a higher consciousness as well it's going, wow, this is, you know, completely evil, whatever it may be, or, oh, wow, this is completely, uh, what, it, uh, but always allowing an opposite perception of compassion, even if you don't agree with it, even if you don't, whatever, just for the sake of building our own consciousness. Mm. I hear it's really stepping out of, you know, that single view and really coming to like a worldly view, like seeing the big picture right? And trying not to just zero in on one little tidbit. 
Yeah. And then from there being able to know that like, okay, definitively speaking, like this is harmful or detrimental, but also from a a wider viewpoint going like this might serve this thing. And we don't have to like that, or we don't have to even make excuses for things, you know, but mm-hmm. um, that's like, we don't need to like excuse abuse, right? That's a great example. Just thought of yeah. that. We don't need to excuse abuse, but at the same time, we can also get to a certain point in our higher consciousness to be able to go, okay, so that is objectively something that is detrimental and hold space for the fact that like, does that make that person a completely like evil person all the time. And so holding those perspectives of going like, how, how do I make sure that I'm protected or that humanity's protected or whatever, you know, for for me, it's from the powers that be from another Mm -hmm. person. It might be like an abuser, whatever it might be. But well, also at the same time, I mean, I'm holding space for the powers that be. Like it took a lot of bandwidth in order for me to expand to that level. And that doesn't mean I'm excusing anything they're doing. If anything, I'm trying to teach people how to rise above their programming, but at the same time, holding space for the fact that, okay, I don't view you as necessarily separate from a universal lens as me. And also know that like, um, extending compassion every once in a while to the perception, even though I'm not necessarily acting as their lawyer. I always want to fight fair enough because that's what they're lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being that change at a, like a super metaphysical way. Yeah. How do we bring that multidimensionality more fully into our lives? So we're able to do that. That challenging, (laughs) that challenging it is. It's like this. um, I don't know. I must really like shadow work because honestly it's, it's about, And this isn't very hard for energetically sensitive people. It's about that self-awareness. Usually what happens with energetically sensitive people or empaths is that the self-awareness attacks us. It attacks the person rather than like helps them. Like it's pointed in the wrong direction. It it could even strengthen the inner critic. It can even strengthen the aspects of us that um, we're really, you know, needing to integrate in order to step into our power. And so because of that, the self-awareness needs to be, which, which will, is natural for your listeners. This isn't something that it's like, we need to learn how to become energetically sensitive. That is natural. That came, you came into this life with that already. What it's a matter of is the cultivation of that because cultivating it so that we're expanding our perception and consciousness in a way that aids our self-awareness rather than it tax us. <laughs> That can happen so many times though, you know, a person can use the fact that they're aware of themselves in order to completely stifle their life path. Can and not just Yeah, a person can become so self-aware of themselves that they might make partaking in the human experience a bad thing. Criticize them like, oh, you want attention? You're doing that for, it. well, sometimes we need to tone down our self-awareness because it's not helpful at a certain volume. It's helpful, but not when it's all the way blasted up and now it's pointed at us. So it can also be a tool used to, in that respect, minimize ourselves. And that's specifically 
the best example I could give of when the self-awareness goes wrong. And so when I'm saying self-awareness in order to challenge our perception, I don't mean that in a way of um, to create more internal conflict within the self and to go, you don't know anything and stuff. It's about this beautiful balancing act, I would say. And that balancing act is squarely in the position of showing compassion to the self for all of its utter humanity. It's so human. It gets triggered when it doesn't want to be. It wants to embody things that thinks that it can't. It thinks it's separate. So showing so much like utter compassion for the aspects of ourselves that are just utterly human while at the same time challenging ourselves to be able to um, recognize the programming that we carry within us and also have the humility because a lot of it comes down to humility. Um, we can only be as in our power, in our true power, not, you know, like a, a fake or narcissistic power. We can only be in our true power to the extent that we can have the humility in order to constantly question ourselves. But questioning ourselves, like I said, in a very compassionate way. Did that make sense? Yes. <laughs> and so often when we're doing that shadow work, right, and we're seeing, oh my gosh, I just heard, you know, the little it of the perverse, you know, say this, right? I can't believe I'm here again. You know, I've been working on this for 20 years or whatever. And, you know, coming back around to something all the time and having that compassion, be like, okay, that is that. And this is how I work with this, right? So give it, can you give some examples for our listeners of ways that we can do that shadow work and kind of work with that inner self-talk? to be able, you know, to kind of step more fully into our light. Lovingly prove it wrong. What I say is have it in the passenger seat. It's not supposed to be in the driver's seat. That's for adults. It goes, uh, in, the, it goes in the passenger seat and you go, honey, you're just going to watch me drive. I'm not going to try to subdue you. I'm not going to try to poof, be gone, avoid you, whatever it is. You're going to be with me, but you're not going to be driving because you you, you don't know how to drive. <laughs> so you're going to go in the passenger seat and you're going to watch me drive and I'm going to hold you while I'm driving. So if it's, you know, um, a person's uh, fear is a very common example. The person do it, just do it afraid. Do whatever it's doing with it in the passenger seat. Because what's going to happen is the thing that we're like, wait, man, I thought I got over you. How are you here still? Or, or man, this is coming back around again. I thought I, you know, resolved that. What's happening is, is that there's so many different parts of us that are being activated through these things. And so a lot of the times it's like, wait, that's still here. And really it's not there for that same reason. It might look like it's there for that same reason. So I'll give you an example. On one hand, it might be the fear is in the driver's seat and I need to prove to the fear that I'm still going to do the thing that I'm scared about, but that I'm going to do it. Um, I'm still going to do it. That fear now has what's called a disconfirming experience going, mm -hmm. wow, they did the thing anyways, and it didn't turn out as bad as I thought it was. So that's going to make them, you know, um, level up. A person's going to go through a level up. 
even if what they were afraid of came true, it doesn't matter because what happened was they went through it. So that is going to lead naturally to a leveling up. The next time that fear might come around, it might not be to level that person up. It might come for, well, everything's technically an up leveling, but it'll be for a different reason, but it'll be like, man, I thought I got rid of that insecurity that provoked that fear. I still have that insecurity. And it's like that insecurity might at this point might just be divine. That insecurity might be what holds you over the edge from becoming crazy (laughs) or that insecurity might be what's moving you in a certain direction to examine this one thing, that insecurity might even be a person's multidimensional aspect coming online. That's what happens a lot of the time. So a lot of these things that are happening, once again, that are organic, they might look like, oh man, this is hindering. And at the same time, it's serving a different role in our journey. And um, it's provoking something. A lot of the times it's a healing. A lot of the times we're going to get to stages where it's actually bringing more of our essence online. I'll give you an example. Um, I had a block around, um, what's the right word? We could just call it, I had a block around being um, too insecure. And I'm like, wait, I'm not insecure. So when it comes up, it's like, whoa, what are you doing here? because I'm not insecure. So it's more of like a reactive state and because it's like, I don't, but what I started to learn was that the insecurity was coming up because I needed to accept more portions of my multidimensionality. And so no amount of self-love was going to whoosh that away. If I wasn't doing what the insecurity was, which was accepting myself. Yes. But in the mannerism that it came up for, not just, okay, I accept I'm insecure. We're missing all of the richness. If we just leave it at that, oh, I'm insecure. Why, why did that thing come up? Not just deal with the end product. And what that had led me down was getting a lot more weirder because that's what it was asking of me. It was insecure because I was in resistance to parts of myself that were coming through that were weirder than what I had my identity to be. And so when I allowed that incorporation of those parts, it's it's like insecurity comes up. I'm just going to dance with it at this point. You get what I mean? So a lot of these things are coming up and we just go, okay, I need to heal that insecurity. And that's like, that's not the only thing. There's a story behind that. And it might be like, it might be super pivotal, if not transformative to a person's awakening. Oh, I love that because so often when we bump into those, it can hold us back, right? And what we really need to be doing is stepping forward, putting fear in the driver's seat and just authentically being who we are, right? No matter what the ideas, patterns, beliefs, or programs that are functioning, you know, in the back of our mind and our subconscious are like, oh, you know, you don't want to do that because of this, that, or the other, right? We just need to kind of step into it and kind of own that this is who we are and this is what we are to be doing, right? Absolutely. And at that point, that's when we become the alchemist because we're going, hey, that thing I actually learned from, it actually had some sort of sacred wisdom in it, even though it wasn't presenting itself that way. And so that's really our free will. Free will is the only way we're going to be able to do that because, oh, 
someone might read that in a book somewhere, or listen to this podcast, but really it's going to come down to being able to go, you know what? I need the discern or I have the discernment to see that within this, there is some sort of sacred wisdom and I need to crack the code. That level of acceptance, that level of embracing it. Right. And that cracking the code is what takes you to the next level. Absolutely. That's awesome, Sarah. What up, what opportunities do we have with this Ascension process and what are the challenges? Ooh, so many opportunities. So that's a great question. Again, um, one of the things that's going on with the Ascension process is that we are discovering that we have uh, our own creative evolution. And what I mean by creative evolution is, is that the end game isn't necessarily like a definitive end game. We can evolve into um, a creative type of human species. I call it human. <laughs> it's always hard to, 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 defini- to differentiate human from human, but the H-U-E is the difference. It's um, human. And so with this, we have, there's like no like set track. There's no like, this is what's going to happen at, you know, from the Ascension. But what the Ascension journey provides is the possibility, the opportunity. And so from there, it's up to our own free will. And that's what I call our creative evolution. So it's creating rather than created. Because if we say created, that would imply that it was already set in stone. And so what we're doing now is with our own creative evolution going, oh, we will become a more heart-centered you know, consciousness, or we, cause you know, um, with many different of our guides, they have different distinct characteristics. And that was because of their own creative evolution. And so because of that, we're not like coming from a place where it's like, this is exactly what it's going to look like. But instead we're coming from a place where it's like, we can go this way, we can go this way, we could go that. And so what's helping shape that is our environment. For instance, if we look around our environment and we're going like, well, we're harming one another with the choices that we make at an environmental level. What we would then start to do is naturally that environment would shape us into understanding um, how important a heart-centered consciousness is because the heart-centered consciousness is going to understand that um, we only can survive really with our environment through a state of empathy. And so it's not like we're, we just get full, you know, full range possibility here because our environment does shape the way that we evolve. But that is one of the things that um, that's one of the examples of how we're getting feedback or input into our evolution. And then the other half of it is our own creative essence and how that manifests through it. And so there is this um, co-collaboration happening. It's, it's a total co-creation happening because um, we're raising our consciousness and one could only really do so by, you know, be, having that empathic connection with its environment. And yet at the same time, we get to see what type of race we turn into from that. And that whole process is what I call ascension, because at the end of the day, 
when we're going through a spiritual awakening, whether we resonate with the term ascension or not, all it really means, it doesn't have to mean that we're ungrounded. It doesn't have to mean that we float off. But what it can mean instead is, is that we've just become aware of our own evolution. And that's an ascension of, in and of itself. <laughs> I love that. And how wonderful would it be for the whole entire planet if everyone functioned from that space? Oh, yeah. I love that. That's the, that's the end game for me. Yes. Same. Same here. Mm, how can people better understand that aspect of themselves? And how can our listeners like, you know, kind of walk that path for themselves on a daily basis? Uh, It becomes a certain burning desire. It becomes like when we're going through a spiritual awakening, it's like eat, breathe, live it. Um, It becomes hard to even keep everything separate from it. And so how a person could navigate that better is by embracing that embracing that it's like, wait, why don't I resonate with this anymore? And so sometimes we try to go back to old patterns that we've outgrown or, um, we, we, we do different things to try to fight it, or we do different things to, um, especially when it comes to support systems. Cause so many people we're right now, our next step is community. We all need community because we all, we're all learning we've, we've got the knowing part, even if it's not fully down, we have the information and the data is out there. Now we need the community before there wasn't this type of data out there. And that's just not the case anymore. We've come a long way, even just within this decade. Yeah. So, just, because, of, yeah. Go ahead. so because of that, the community is going to be very, very important. Um, and that really just becomes a yearning. So as I said earlier, it's like a burning desire that the being has once they're, you know, doing this to be like, how can I, how how can I, you know, like live my life and be like this? It's by embracing the fact that this is a large portion, if not going to be your life moving forward. And then the question becomes, how can I align my lifestyle with this path? And there's a beautiful ancient saying, you cannot travel the path until you become the path itself. And that's just what it means. Mm. So I would say embracing it, embracing that, and then looking for outlets once again, whether it's support systems, community, that, that's going to be key, or just content you resonate with, things that will um, be able to help you normalize what's going on. Because so much of the time we're in resistance to our own awakening because we're like, okay, this is crazy or, okay, this is, um, I, I'm weird. Or we get lonely, we get really sad and isolated. And so all those ways can help be remedied by being able to one, embrace the journey, embrace wherever we are on it, and then go seek out the community or the content that will help feel, help fill in the gaps that we might feel are happening that are causing us to feel isolated. I love that. And if nothing else, the last couple of years have really, you know, made us a global, you know, community, which I think is fantastic and kind of is pulling us into, okay, it's not just you, it's not even just your little neighborhood or your little town, which is beautiful within itself, right? But has made us global, worldly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, 
there's with everything detrimental size and positive size to something social media um we're doing the best we can to get the content out there <laughs> yeah and i love all the beautiful conversations that are happening right now absolutely yeah definitely okay something i ask all my guests um do you have a pearl of wisdom to leave us with today what is something that you would like to leave our listeners with today oh so many um what would i like to leave the listeners with today it's a great question um a lot of the times we feel like we're not being communicated with and we feel like we're not connected to our higher guidance and it's can create a lot of panic and it can also create a lot of feelings of um, disconnection or even just um, frustration. And a lot of the times our higher guidance is either one, it's not coming online. It's not specifically communicating with us at that time because there's certain phases of our journey that's called time under tension. That means that you need to feel, even if you're not, disconnected from that stuff because there's a certain alchemy within that certain struggle within that certain frustration and so even those times are serving a higher purpose even though it might not feel like it or even if you don't want to hear that and then other times we might actually be um communicated with but we're not speaking the same language Mm. so that then it becomes a matter of us becoming subtle enough to understand what's the subtle realms and how we become subtle enough is to start attuning. So I would practice attunement in whatever way that that would serve you. Oh, I love that. Gosh. And so often when you hit those phases, I know personally, I don't like not knowing, right. Or being connected. So how can our listeners, how can we like surrender to that though? Just surrendering to the knowledge that this is also benefiting us in some way. Yeah. Surrendering to the knowledge that this is also, but yeah, like the time under tension. Absolutely. It's holding a vision and that's, that's going to be very hard for many people because it's easier said than done. And it's always easier said than done, but holding the vision of, I won't always feel this way. (laughs) I won't like, It's really embracing the impermanence. That's where impermanence comes. That's, you know, certain teachings shine at certain times. And then other times they could, you know, not be helpful at all. The impermanence is so important to learn at that time. Because if we look at the things as I'm always learning something, right? If we want to become the alchemist, we go, I'm always learning something. So if it's this, then what I'm learning is I might not always feel this way. And that falls under impermanence. So now we're learning impermanence. Always, right? Uh, impermanence love it Sarah that's awesome thank you so much and how can people find you and reach you and work with you so uh my passion project is YouTube you can find me on YouTube under the alchemist um that's where I put out my beloved content each week I'm so excited for that channel um I still feel like it's new even though now it's coming almost to a year um but it still feels new and then also my Instagram you can find me at at the dot alchemist. If you push one letter off, you will find any of my impersonators. So it's just the dot alchemist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
yeah, and then I'm going to be opening up that session soon. I'm an I'm energy healer and um, I open them up sporadically. And so you could find me at my website, alchemicalenergyhealing.com. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic, Sarah. I'll have to sign up for that one. Do you have a, a newsletter that goes out about your energy work or any of the healings that you do? Yeah, actually, I have a newsletter. Um, I have that on my main website. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, you can join me on my website, thealchemist.community. And so on thealchemist.community, that's where you can find my articles and that's where you could find just any material that I'm putting out there and sharing other than my energy healing work. Awesome. That's great, Sarah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor to have you, such a privilege, such a great conversation. I can't believe this hour just flew by. It was like I was at a time warp or something. (laughs) I know it's insane, right? (laughs) Gosh, but thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me. It's been so great to have you. What a great conversation. I'd love to have you back sometime. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for joining us. Again, this is Raise the Buy with Liz, and I'm your host, Liz Peterson. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Raise the Buy with Liz, and my website is lizeshealingtouch.com. Remember to get out there and raise the vibe, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.